Welcome back to another week of the Oklahoma Sports Bros podcast. We thought we got rid of Perkins this week, but he got out of his meeting early enough and joined us. So, Woo! Uh, nice. out of meetings. I don't, I don't know. But Ryan, as always, is joining us, and Perkins is joining us as well. Another crazy week of college football. College football gives us everything we want every week, and if you're an OU fan, I'm not sure you like that, but Everybody else who just loves college football from an outsider's perspective, outsider's perspective um, they probably love it because it was absolutely crazy this week, including a game that went to nine overtimes. And I repeat that, nine overtimes. Nine. And, and the upset happens as Penn State goes down in nine overtimes. Um Illinois, and I feel like I'm talking about the two wrong teams now, but uh, now that I've said who they are, but Illinois takes down Penn State in nine overtimes, and you think, man, nine overtimes, that's got to be a high-scoring game, right? No, 20-18. to That had to be the most typical Big Ten game of all time, the most boring game of all time. And I know overtime rules have changed a little bit, but still, he couldn't score more than 38 points combined in nine overtimes. That's kind of crazy. But I like to imagine that someone turned the game off. They, they had to go do something right. Uh, I won't get to see the end of this game. Oh, man. They come back like three hours later. Oh, the game's still on. It's <laughs> eighth overtime. They're sitting there like the score hasn't changed. <laughs> wow. I, I think I, I'm a big fan of going back to how college football had it with um, after uh, you, you just keep going from the 25-yard line. I think mm-hmm. the whole moving to a two-point two conversion in the third overtime is just the stupidest thing in the world. But yes. um, I think college football had the best overtime in the world in any kind of sport, the best type of overtime, and now they've gone and – mess that up so whatever that that's just kind of how college football went this week Cincinnati Oklahoma both escape scares OSU and Penn State lose in the top 10 and just a whole whole lot of crazy things happen this weekend um, and that just leads us into Tulsa Tulsa had a bye week this weekend so Tulsa has not lost for what it seems like three weeks now, and that's crazy to me, right? Yeah, it's not like finding a way to win. <laughs> well, they are they are doing everything in their power to keep the winning streak going. Three yeah, weeks they, in strong, baby. You know, and uh, this past weekend I think was their toughest test yet, the bye week. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how you uh, approach a bye week, but Tulsa comes into a bye week right before they play Navy, which – think that's pretty good we actually previewed the navy game last week we're not going to spend too much time on it um but we'll we'll go over just a little bit two weeks to prepare for navy really helps out navy does run that option offense and navy did take cincinnati down to the wire which was one of the games i bet on this week so that's kind of stupid but you know or last week not this week so that is what happened with Tulsa, and this week I feel like 
I'm still going to say Tulsa by three. What are you guys thinking? Well, let me ask you this. Do you think the Navy will play like they did against Cincinnati? I think Navy will play the same way they've played all year. So, out of comparison, if Tulsa beats the Navy, do you think they could hold Cincinnati to the same level? No, not a chance. Navy has discipline, fortitude. They have toughness. They play a style of football that Tulsa does not. And I don't think, no matter, you can't compare scores when it comes to that. Like, comparing scores, and I know every coach everywhere and every fan everywhere does it, but you can't just look at somebody's score and be like, whoa, wow, that was really close. They must have, they must not be as good or whatever it is. So, that's the that's that's a trap you got to stay out of. Tulsa is not as good as Cincinnati. Period. Hands down. End of discussion. Navy had a good game. Cincinnati had a really terrible game. End of discussion. What do you guys okay, think? But- how, how do you, how do you think Tulsa plays this weekend? I think they'll win. Go ahead. I think they'll play all right. Like I think they'll win. I what, mean, what's, what's how much are they going to win by? Well, I, I want to clarify. I want to give two options here. If they hold their penalties to under 90 yards, they won't. Do I that. think they win by a touchdown. If their penalties go over 100 yards, I think they lose by a touchdown. Mm. Ryan? That's fair. I'm going to go with two options, too. Either they're going to win or they're going to lose. Um, that oh, that is absolutely yeah, mind blowing. I can't believe you thought of that. Options? Oh my gosh! So they're an eleven point favorite. So clearly Vegas thinks they're going to win. Um, so Navy, <clears throat> the score was twenty seven twenty last week, but they really didn't hang with Cincinnati past halftime. Uh, they got down twenty seven to ten and scored a touchdown with under a minute left to kind of make it a closer game. Um, but they still, you know, they at least held with them, you know, through the first half and. It, it seems like it's going to be kind of a – I think we talked about this last week too, just kind of a thing where Navy's going to run the ball forever and Tulsa may try to do the same thing. Um, Navy ran the ball seventy or sorry, 67 times last week, and um, Tulsa allows 140 yards a game on average. Uh, so it's not great, but it's not – they don't have a terrible defense uh, against the run. So I think they'll they'll be able to kind of – bottle Navy up. Navy only had 2.9 yards of carry uh, in those rushes last week. So it's not like they're running all over the place. They're just running a lot. So as long as OSU or sorry, as long as Tulsa can stay disciplined on uh, defense, I think, I think they'll win the game. Um, Their offense has looked a lot better the last couple weeks or, you know, last two games. So, yeah, I think, I think Tulsa will win. I think it'll be, Probably, I don't think they'll cover 11. I think it's going to be, you know, seven or eight points. But, yeah, I see Tulsa coming out with the win. It's a Friday night, and it's at Tulsa. So, I think they've got the home crowd with them. And uh, I see them but doing just really enough. a home crowd at that point? <clears throat> it's Tulsa. I mean, they're not going to Navy. Is the... <laughs> That's true. I thought about going to the game. Well, yeah, I'm like one them. person in the state of Oklahoma. Why not? <laughs> hey, my... Uncle and cousin are season ticket holders. They go to every game. So, well, they go. Shut me up, don't you? Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that's good enough for Tulsa this week. Uh, everybody thinks we're going to thinks Tulsa's going to win, and Perkins thinks they're going to lose, and Ryan thinks that. they could lose too. So they both think they're going to win, and they both think that they're going to lose. So. Yep. Yeah, that's a good analysis of how Tulsa's season's gone. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where we're at. Hey, I right, got a question please. for you guys, though. All right, go ahead. Okay. Now, this is this is a hypothetical, and it's based in the future beyond Navy. But what if Tulsa upset Cincinnati? It doesn't. I just – come on. He said what if. What if. What if. What if. What if the world fell? What if the world imploded? <laughs> Like, like, do you think that'd be like? Do you think that'd be the epitome of like Montgomery's it, entire career? No, I think that'd be the epitome of this college football season. Yeah, <laughs> I'd agree with that. Oh, that'd be impossible. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's impossible. I really don't. But I, it's, it's impossible. You guys want to come up with something crazy that we have to do if they do win? No. Like skydiving? Oh no, 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 no! I don't skydive. I mean, I will. Okay, you can skydive. Right, Perkins has to skydive. Tulsa wins against <laughs> against Cincinnati. I will say though, if they get past Navy this week, they're uh, four and four, and they've got uh, Cincinnati and SMU, but they also have Tulane and Temple. So uh, there's a chance they could Tulane team. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it, everybody was thinking after the OU game they're going to run off a few victories and be mm-hmm. like five and two, three and three and two, something along those lines. They're one and six. Yeah. OU just has beaten some horrible teams this year, so I don't, yeah. I, I don't even know what to say about it. I don't either. But if you beat Tulane and Temple, all of a sudden Tulsa's going bowling, and I think the, I think it was the first week that I was on the pod we talked about how. They might win three games, so good for them. Uh, they're still only at three games right now, so I know. They got, um, <laughs> we'll see. You guys have a lot more hope for Tulsa than I do. Hey, they're going to be at, you know, they're going to after their Cincinnati win. I don't know. Maybe they'll keep it going. Mm. Maybe. Um, <laughs> not, not very hopeful for that, but maybe Tul- Tulsa has to beat Cincinnati for OU to get into the playoff. All right. We're all on the Tulsa bandwagon right now, so um, how do how do we get tickets to that game? Is it at Tulsa? No, it's at Cincinnati. Oh man, that's yeah. a long drive. Yeah, Show that can't be more than ten hours. hours. It's in Ohio, and can't t- be more you, than fifteen. You hours. said you said ten hours, like it's a cakewalk. You well, know, I get off work. I, uh, I drive ten at like hours. Three. Work weeks, but like not all of us have Fridays off, Perk. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, I but, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can make it happen. I doubt it. I don't. I don't really want to go to Cincinnati to watch Tulsa get throttled. No, I will not be going. Games there. No, they can make a double trip out of it. Anyways, how about that OU game? Uh, we're talking about the OSU game next, so. Well, that's what I said, OSU. Do we have to? We, no, we you're the S. We don't really have to. You're the resident OSU expert if you want to skip over it. <laughs> I've got to air it out, I guess. 
All right, so um, what went wrong this weekend, Ryan? Well, honestly, not a lot went wrong. I think they played really well. Hey, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. How does OSU mm-hmm. lose a game in which Spencer Sanders had zero turnovers? I'll tell you exactly how. <laughs> so to me, it all comes down to the head coach, Mike Gundy. Uh, and two, I, I love this take. Two, I love it already. There's two decisions specifically. So, so OSU goes up seven nothing early, and then stops Iowa State, gets the ball back, and they're driving down the field. They get to a third and two at Iowa State's thirty-three, and you have Jalen Warren on a third and two. But instead, you go empty backfield and run a quarterback draw with Spencer right up the middle, and you get nothing. So you have a fourth and two. <clears throat> now, at this point, as I mentioned, you're up 7 nothing. You've stopped Iowa State on their first three drives. They got nothing. This is a chance for Gundy to say, hey, we're going to go win this game. We're going to be the aggressor and show Iowa State that we're here to win. And you go for it on that fourth and two. And instead, he settles for a 50-yard field goal with a kicker in Tanner Brown, who's played two games for OSU. And it's in Iowa, windy, kind of cold, and just not a great decision for me. I feel like you go for the fourth down on that. And if if you drive down and go up 14 nothing, all of a sudden, that's a completely different game. Because your defense has confidence that they've stopped Iowa State all three times so far. And Iowa State may start pressing and could, you know, turn the ball over. But instead, you kick a 50-yard field goal and miss it. Now Iowa State's got the ball with all the momentum because of that. And and good field position. And good field position. And they drive right down the field and tie the game. So instead of potentially going up 14 nothing, it's all of a sudden 7-7. Seven to seven. And Iowa State's got the momentum. So that's the first uh, decision. <clears throat> now, OSU got the ball back with a minute 45 until halftime. And a lot of times, Gundy will just kind of play it safe there. He'll run the ball. And if he doesn't get a first down, uh, he'll just kind of let the clock go and go into halftime. I give him credit for this because he opened it up and they said, we want to score before half. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but Spencer Sanders threw a beautiful bomb to Brennan Presley in the end zone who made a leaping catch over two defenders. And I jumped off my couch uh, yelling. So OSU goes up 14-7 to right there going into the half, and they get the ball after halftime. So you're thinking, oh, wow. If you had told me before the game, that we are up 14-7 at half and we're going to get the ball to start the second half, I would have taken that all day because if you remember last week, I said we were going to lose the game. So what I did say coming out of half is you have to score on this first drive. Excuse me. And the reason is, like what I said earlier, if you had gone up 14-0, that changes the ball game. Well, if you go out to start the second half – and score to make it 21 to 7 in the third quarter. Again, completely different ball game. And what do they do? They go out and 
run three straight plays just off tackle, three straight runs with Jalen Warren, and have to punt. There's no creativity there. There's no sense of urgency that you feel like you need to score. And uh, after that, Iowa State goes right down and scores the game, or scores to tie it, and it's 14-all. Again, all the momentum just goes to Iowa State right there because OSU didn't come out firing in that second half. So then we get to 14-14. OSU drives down, and this kind of perplexed me. So you have a third and five at the 19. On this third down, you can go one of two ways. You can either run a pass play to try to either get the first down or even potentially a touchdown if you want to take a shot. And if you don't get it, then, hey, you've got a fourth and five, you kick the field goal. Or what some teams do is they will think, hey, it's third and five. We've got two plays to get those five yards. We're going to go for it on fourth down. So let's run the ball and make that fourth down a little bit shorter if we don't get it. And I don't have a problem with that either because they were running it pretty well. But instead of running some sort of option or something like this with a a running quarterback in Spencer Sanders, they ran a direct snap to Jalen Warren. So the defense knows what you're doing. Still got four yards. But they're left with a fourth and one. Theoretically, they did that so that they could go for it on fourth down and have just a a one yard to gain. But no, Gundy runs out the field goal unit and... I started yelling, you have to go for it. And then the TV showed Spencer Sanders' face that was livid that Mike Gundy threw his, uh, his field goal kicker out there. So I get it that you want to take the lead because it's a tie game at that point late in the third quarter. But it's another thing where I mentioned in the first quarter, like tell your team that you believe in them and you think that they can go win this game. And he didn't. He threw his field goal kicker out there and missed it. Now, I know in, in hindsight, you say, oh, you should have gone for it. I said it before, and I still, to at this point, I say you go for it. So they missed it, and missing that field goal really gave Iowa State all the momentum. And then they went right down and kicked a field goal of their own, and all of a sudden, no issues playing from behind when they could have been up two touchdowns at this point. So... So really, those two fourth down calls for from Gundy, um, they're just soft. They're they're playing safe and playing not to lose instead of playing to win, which he's done forever. So it doesn't surprise me. It just makes me really mad. But so question, real quick, yeah. interrupting. I know you're mid no. in game analysis, but if you had the chance to replace Mike Gundy, would you? Um. I mean, is that – I don't know who I get to pick for that. So okay. – That that was my follow-up question because yeah. if you replace him, can you get somebody better? Because I've been on the – I don't think Mike Gundy's ever going to take them to the, the new, new height that they want, that OSU fans want. Mm-hmm. But I'm also on the track that – Gundy's probably the best option that OSU can get. Like, I don't think there's going to be a high-profile coach that's coming out of uh, anywhere. You're not going to get somebody, a hot defensive coordinator from Alabama, to come play, come be your 
head coach at OSU. It's just not going to happen. So no. I, I, I'm, I'm back and forth. Like I don't think Gundy's Gundy is a good coach. He's not a great coach. And I think that OSU will be perennially good compared to what they could be in great. But yes, that's just my, my two cents. Go ahead no, with I, your in uh, game stuff well, again. That's about it as far as the end game. I mean, they're playing from behind in that environment from there. And basically once they got down, I kind of, you know, figured that we would lose. And they, they tried to win. They came, you know, came pretty close uh, near the end. But I feel like in a game like that, especially on the road, you've got to stay ahead of them to win. And they just couldn't do it. So um, it, it's terrible because they wasted – and a really good game from Spencer Sanders. Uh, he's really under control against that Iowa State defense. Three touchdowns, no turnovers, and threw 225 yards. Um, again, if you told me that going into the game, I would have thought we would have won by double digits because I thought our defense was that good. Well, the stat I saw earlier this week was in games before this game against Iowa State, in games that Spencer Sanders had zero turnovers, OSU was undefeated. There you go. So, yeah, they just ran into a, a really, really good Brock Purdy. He was incredible. Had 300 yards and 27 to 33. It's probably because we talked about how mediocre he was last week. Yeah, that's probably what he probably heard. And yeah, he listened. He was one of the 18. Yeah, but he was he was good, and I think that's what we talked about is the, the running games were similar. The defenses were similar. It was going to come down to who was better between the two. Um, again, I think OSU played well enough to win uh, and got let down by a couple bad decisions. But also, you can't miss two field goals in a game like that on the road because there's not a ton of scoring, and they lost by three. So if even if just that chip shot goes in, you know, the game could have turned out differently. But, but yeah, Brock was good. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, a weird thing is through their first seven games, OSU's only scored three points in the third quarter. Uh, total and I have no idea what to do with that I mean to me it comes down to excuse me it comes down to coming out in the second half without a game plan or either that or the other team adjusts but like I said they came out of halftime and ran it three straight times and punted and you you just can't do that so uh, they got to figure something out about third quarters for sure Um, that's really when this game turned and they went from being up three to, or they went from being up seven to down three in that third quarter. So, um, yeah, really, really hate to see it because you felt like they played well enough to win, and uh, and winning that basically would have guaranteed that they'd be in the Big Twelve Championship because they already had the tiebreaker over Baylor, and they would have had it over Iowa State, and Iowa State would have had two conference losses with OSU having zero. So. Um, that kind of hurts, but there's still a lot to play for. So we'll kind of see what goes on. All right. So moving on, obviously OSU loss isn't what you wanted this week. Do you think going into this next week, OSU plays Kansas? Do you think Kansas is going to be superstars again? Or you think, uh, you think OU's defense just sucks and OSU is going to have their field day with them? Oh, it's well, 100% the OU curse. Yeah. Like, 
teams play out of their mind when they play against OU, in my opinion. And then I, they go back into the regular season. I'm not sure they play out of their mind. I think that o, OU's defense has been very, very, very poor here recently. So, um, but that that's just my opinion. Ryan, what do you think? OSU dominates? I will never pick them to dominate this year <laughs> because even against Kansas, honestly, if – I feel like they're going to win pretty easily, but they're a 30-and-a-half-point favorite, which is ridiculous to me. I mean, OSU's scored 32 points is, is the most they've scored in any game this year. So I don't know how you're 30-point favorite. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I hope they let Spencer throw it more and give him some confidence to go into the rest of the year. Because, um, like I said, last week against Iowa State and then the week before against Texas were his two best games uh, by far this season. So he's on an upward trend, and I I think that needs to keep going uh, for them going the rest of the year. Uh, but Kansas' run defense uh, allows about 250 yards a game, so Gundy may just try to wear him down on the ground. Uh, yeah, Jalen Jalen Warren may break uh, Samaje Pirine's record. He or could. Whoever owns that record now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he definitely could. I. I don't see anything that Kansas would do to stop them. I am worried about Kansas just in terms of that. I'm sure last week just gave their players a lot of confidence and thinking, Hey, we can actually hang with some of these good teams. And that, that quarterback, Jason Bean is his name. He was really a dual threat last week. He was able to throw it. And I, like I said, OU's secondary is not very good right now. Um, well, they rolled them out of the pocket every play. Yeah. Every time he was going to throw the ball, like they rolled him out like designed play. It wasn't like he was scrambling. They were just rolling him out. Mm-hmm. Which I've, I've said all year, I think they need to do that with Spencer Sanders, and they just don't do it. They try to keep him in the pocket too much. But, um, but I think OSU's defense is still a lot better than OU's right now, and I think they're going to come out playing pretty angry after their first loss of the year. And probably try to prove that they can shut Kansas down. So I don't think they're going to cover 30 and a half points. I think it's going to be probably like 34 to 10, something like that. But um, yeah, I think, I think it when it's homecoming, it's a night game. Um, I think we'll win. I don't think it'll be as close as, as OU. I, I definitely don't think we'll be down 10, nothing at halftime. I'll say that. Yep. Wow. Perk, what's, what's your pick on the game? I mean, it's a good game. Uh, I guess the ending was good. I, I was talking about OSU Kansas, but I'm glad you're paying attention. <clears throat> I, I, I guess I've misunderstood our entire conversation we just had. <laughs> What's my take on the OSU Kansas game? Yeah, we'd already moved on. Oh, well, I guess we're moving too fast for me. Uh, I, I. I don't think Kansas is going to play like that. I mean, OSU is going to be just fine against Kansas. Kansas prepared for an upset. I don't think – like, they're not going to do that with OSU. And so I think OSU is going to go out there and take care of business just like every other team has against Kansas. All right. Well, I completely agree. OSU wins by 20-plus for me. I don't know 
that they hit their spread, but I'm not confident enough in that to actually bet on it either. So um, that that's kind of where we're at. OSU wins by a lot, and we have uh, all the OSU fans talking noise about OU. So we can go ahead and move on to OU. OU actually wins this week, but they come out of the game feeling worse than OSU after OSU lost, which is absolutely perplexing to me. But, you know, um, I was actually, and I'm no, I know I'm the OU expert and I was, I'm always supposed to watch the game, but I was coaching a soccer game this weekend at, at the same time as the OU game. Um, they kind of coexisted a little bit. It overlapped a little bit. And I, I came in right into the second quarter, right, probably seven, eight minutes left in the second quarter. And I, I, there were fans sitting behind me when I was coaching, and they said um, the score was 10-0 and that Caleb Williams had just thrown an interception. Hmm. And from that, I took – I was like, wow. My exact statement to Perkins was, wow, we're only up 10-0 on Kansas <laughs> in the second quarter? Like, they must be playing horrible. And then it's when we get to the car and I figure out we're down 10-0 and I, at half, and I'm like, what in the heck is going on? Like, I just lost it. Like, I didn't – you could ask Perkins the whole ride home. I was quiet. I was just quiet, and then when they'd start making big plays, I, I'd get really excited, and we were listening to it on the radio, and then I'd get quiet again because Kansas oh, We were both quiet. I mean, there was just nothing but anticipation in that car. Like, the entire car ride was just you and me basically just sweating, listening to that game. And I, I thought, man, it ain't no problem. Like, I was like, I can coach this game because – OU's going to win by 40. I was so confident. Last week on the pod, I called them the JV team up north. And I that that's how OU had to have taken the preparation for the game. Like, they had to have think, thought they were going to go in and throttle this team because they just – they didn't show up. And I know, looking at the stats, they scored on five of their eight possessions. Mm-hmm. So, that, that looks good in hindsight. That, that looks really good. Scoring on five of eight possessions in almost any game is great. But it's Kansas. You cannot let them do that to you. And Kansas pulled out the method that everybody's been trying against OU. Hold the ball as long as you can. Go on these 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 play drives as much time of possession as they can and – try to keep the ball out of OU's hands. And it's obviously OU has won all their games, so it hasn't necessarily worked, but it's made OU fans sweat. And I get that they were down 10-0 at halftime. I get that the defense was god-awful. And I know that they needed a miracle from Caleb Williams to even win that game in the fourth quarter. Like, what a play was that from Caleb Williams? Mm. Like, if you have not seen what he did, first off, you need to get out from whatever rock you're under. 
because that was probably the biggest play in college football this weekend. And who would have thought that the the season-defining moment would come against Kansas this year? Like, can you imagine if he doesn't take that ball out of Kennedy Brooks' hands? We lose that game. I have no doubt in my mind that Kansas walks down the field and scores there. Not a doubt in my mind. And then what if he doesn't take the the one fourth down for a 40-yard touchdown? Like, I know Caleb Williams did not play well in the first half, but he saved us in the second half. And I am not one of these people. I think it's absurd the people putting him in the Heisman race. But I have no doubt that he will be in New York at the end of the season just because he's an OU quarterback. I don't – do I think he deserves it? No. But do I think he will be there? Yes. I think 100% he will be in New York at the end of the season at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I don't think he'll win. He hasn't played a whole season. He won't. He will only have played a little over half a season. So – I don't I don't think he will win it, but I do think he'll be there just because he's an OU quarterback putting up ridiculous numbers and some of the heroics he has done this year. So that's kind of where I'm at for this game. We escape a disaster, which I will say Texas a few years ago couldn't escape a disaster against Kansas. So that makes us better than Texas at least. But coming out of this game, you have people wanting to fire Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, everybody on the OU staff, and we're 8-0. Now, do I think being mad about this performance is unjustified? No. I think you need to be ticked off about the performance. But thinking about firing an 8-0 coach, that's the dumbest take I've ever heard. Absolutely dumbest take I've ever heard. You do not fire an 8-0 coach. Now, if we lose the games against Tulane and Kansas and Nebraska and we're 5-3 and three at this point, I can see it because the team OU plays this week is 5-3 and three and they just fired their head coach. So, I can see that. But reacting like this after beating Kansas, and I know it's not the result we wanted, but we can be mad without calling for the head coach's job. That's just absurd to me. What What do you guys feel about everybody's reaction to this game? I mean, it's it's justified. I mean, I mean, look He's at the. Oh, how is it justified? Well, you said it yourself a couple weeks ago, and so I'm not going to be able to directly quote you, but I can kind of summarize what you said because uh, you said that that's just the that's just the culture of OU to be better, to do better, to always outdo. To always and so even though we're eight no, should we be? And that's the question everyone's asking. And I think a lot of people are saying no, because the way we started the season was not a top five team, and the way we just finished that Kansas game was also not a top five team. Do I think OU is a top five team? Absolutely, if they could fix out, figure out how to do coverage and the secondary of the defense, if they could figure out how to cover short passes middle passes and long passes. It's seriously, literally everything that encompasses a pass on defense. If they could figure that out, I think they're a contender for the number one spot. But until that happens, I think we deserve to have this argument 
of are they doing enough? Do I think the argument against Lincoln Riley is is useful? No. He's the best thing to ever happen to OU. Like, don't get me wrong. Previous coach was great. Lincoln Riley is a genius in his own right. And he knows how to he knows how to find players. He knows what to do beyond that. But I think that we have to be sitting here thinking, what can we do to fix it? Because the, the defense is not performing in a way that will keep us going. The the offense can only perform as well as the defense. And the defense can only perform as well as the offense. So so pause for a second. The question wasn't can we be upset with their performance? Because I completely 100% agree that we can be upset with their performances so far. The question was, is the arguing that the coaches should be fired justified? I think defensively, yes, because something's not working. And that needs to change immediately. I think head coach, no. Offensive coaches, no. Secondary coaches, or not secondary, uh, special teams, uh, maybe if we're talking kickoff. But as far as field goal, whoever's whoever's freaking teaching the kicker to kick needs to keep doing it and maybe get a freaking raise. But other than that, I mean, sure, maybe two or three coaches, it should be considered. But the main ones, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, on the head coach, no. Okay, so whenever we said at the beginning of the season how well the defense is playing, but now it's flipped. Like, everybody's calling for Lincoln Riley's job earlier in the season. Now they figured out the offense, and they haven't figured out the defense. Let me, let me just list off some guys from this weekend that were out. And I, this is no excuse. By any means, this is both offense and defense. Theo Weiss, Cody Jackson, Mario Williams, Mike Woods, Jalen Redmond, Kevin Gilliam, Marcus Stripling, Woody Washington, DJ Graham, Delarian Turner Yell, and Jeremiah Cradell. That is the list of the players who warmed up. Not not just players who are injured, the ones who warmed up this weekend to play and just didn't play because they're still nicked up and they didn't want to risk them against Kansas. I think if this is a big 12 championship, all those players play. If you're warming up, you're ready to play. But look at those through there. Jalen Redmond, Kevin Gilliam, Marcus Stripling, Woody Washington, DJ Graham, Delarian Turner, Yell, and Jeremiah Cradell all play on the defensive side of the ball. That is seven players who can make a difference on the defensive side of the ball, minus maybe a Jeremiah Cradell, Kevin Gilling. So five players who actually make a difference on the defensive side of the ball. Can you honestly tell me if five of your starters or five of your players heavy minutes are out with an injury, you should still be expected to play at the same level? They should be... I get what you're saying. I get your argument. I do. It's honestly, but it's not issue, even my argument. The, I heard it point. I heard it posted earlier this week on the radio. And oh yeah, I, I got you. But I, I do actually. I do have an answer for you. And it's it's not. I'm not saying that there that the skill gap, you know, between the first string, second string, third string is there. 
blah, 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 right? But it's not that our guys are getting beat by getting pushed off. It's not that they're getting it's, – it's completely blown coverage. It's not understanding what you need to do. That has nothing to do with your athletic ability or if you're first or second string. It has everything to do with how well do you understand your position. And so I think that's – like that's not that's, – then that's a coaching problem at that point. Like if I'm a safety, I need to know who I'm following, who I'm picking up, where to go if my corner pulls, where to go if my corner follows. Like I need to, I need to know. And if we just don't have guys – our guys in the back are not, are not picking up the people they need to in their coverages or in their man-to-man. Like they're not – like it's, it's, it's constantly it – I don't feel like it doesn't matter – what team you're on? See, yeah, you're my 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 only argument. I I don't disagree. Blown coverages are a huge problem, but if it's a coaching problem, do you not think a Division One coach with the stature of Alex Grinch could figure out how to explain that to him? Do you really think it's a coaching problem or it's a player problem? Honestly, you, I can, you can be honest. Like, well, it's like I can sit here and speculate, but there's no telling. I mean, sure, it could be someone who thinks that they're smarter than the coach. And so, but at that point, do you do you bench them? Do you have someone to even replace that spot if they're not being disciplined? Um, well, and it, it looks like, and this is this is just from my analysis of somebody who's never played defense on a football field in their life, but it looks like whenever we go into zone coverage is when we struggle. It looks like the middle line or not the middle linebackers, the linebackers in general, looks like the linebackers are pushed way too far up on the line, which creates that huge gap in between the secondary and the linebackers. And then there's all that space there and all the teams just torch us there. It's not like against Texas, we were getting beaten man on man to man coverage, but here like in the last couple of weeks, we've just been getting torched in zone coverage, like people not understanding where they're covering or being two steps out of where they're supposed to be. And then we get torched because somebody's not in the zone they're supposed to be in. Whenever we get, we've gone to man these last couple of weeks, we've stopped our opponents. And I don't get why we don't just go to man if we can't stop our opponents. If, if we can't stop them in zone, I don't care what kind of, scheme you're wanting to run if we can't stop them in zone don't run zone seems pretty simple to me i i i don't understand like i get i agree with you i don't understand if you don't know how to do it don't do it you know you and me we we coach soccer and we this is something that we struggle with as coaches is trying to convince our players or try to explain to our players how to play a new position and it's a struggle at first but, you know, we, we deal with it in practice. But something that we've learned is that if, the, if we do it in practice and the player still doesn't get how to play that position, we just don't put them in that position anymore until they figure it out. Like, we'll play them around it, and then in practice we'll work on it. So I don't understand why these coaches who are getting paid quadruple to the times of 10 that you and me are getting paid. I'm not even getting paid to coach. And – why they can't figure that out. Like, don't do it. I understand well, the benefit of zone do, coverage. Do but... they have somebody else? 
they need to be able to be like these are athletic men. I don't care if you have their skills, second string, third string. These guys are more athletic than every high school, you know, than every high school, most high school players, excuse me, than you and me. Like they can play this, they can do this, they can do man to man, they can make up the difference, and they're just not doing it. I don't understand where the struggle is. Is it kind of it's it's you know like the definition of insanity, doing the same thing all over again, hoping for a different uh, different outcome. And I, it, it's insane to me that that we keep doing coverage and we keep getting torched on the mid pass that's through the center. All right, Ryan, we've kind of harped on this enough. We should probably move on. But Ryan, you got you got anything you want to say? Uh, you guys said a lot. Um, I'll just throw <laughs> a couple of things out that I noticed. So. First half against Kansas. First off, I understand OU going up there. They were like a 38-point favorite. So I understand going up there and thinking, you know, we don't really have to show up. We can do whatever. They had eight penalties for 55 yards in that first half. Eight penalties is bad. Kansas had three drives uh, in the first half. That first one in the first quarter was a nine-minute drive. Uh, Second drive was a six-minute drive and then uh, had another five-minute drive, all that in the first half. So OU gets the ball with five minutes to go till halftime, and they, at that, up to that point, they only had the ball for a total of three minutes and 28 seconds. And some of that was because Caleb tried to take a shot down the field and threw an interception, so really short drive there. Um, but then after halftime, their last five drives, they scored touchdowns on all five. So... It was a really bad first half, penalty-wise, and also their defense just could not get off the field. And Kansas has done what a bunch of these other teams have figured out, is like you just you just got to sustain drives and uh, keep OU's offense off the field, and that's how you can beat them. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if OU can figure all that out. I, I do understand a lot of injuries, especially in the secondary. Um, I'm sure contribute to that, so – Three of the names you mentioned, DJ Graham, Woody Washington, and uh, Turner Yell, all three of those are guys that jump off the screen whenever I'm watching OU play. So All three of those are starters. Like yeah. Heavy, heavy minute starters. And, yes, and if OSU lost three of their starting secondary, I, I can understand if, you know, things go differently. So, so I understand that. I do think the offense is just fine going forward. Like I said, they finally in the second half just – you know, did whatever they wanted against Kansas. And I never thought that Kansas was going to win the game, uh, but it was kind of weird to see 10 nothing at halftime, I understand. But, yeah, so so I don't think there's anything offensively to worry about. Caleb threw a pick, but it was just kind of a – he was taking a shot. You know, I get it. Um, but, yeah, Kansas – or, sorry, uh, OU's defense has got to figure it out. I don't know if it's coaching or just injuries or what, but whatever it is, they got to figure it out. Yeah. Well, moving on to previewing this game against Texas Tech. Texas Tech comes in with a bold strategy. Um, They saw where dumpster fires almost beat OU all the time, so they thought, why don't we throw a dumpster fire at them? So they fired their head coach this week, which makes no sense in the world. Um, Best record Texas Tech has had since Mike Leach was there, and they fired their head coach midseason at 5-3, and Seems kind of idiotic to me, but maybe they're trying to prepare for this OU game and just uh, pull an upset because when you throw a dumpster fire at OU, they don't know what to do, apparently. So, 
this game against Texas Tech, I think this is going to set up to be very poor for OU if they can't figure their secondary out because Texas Tech likes to throw the ball. They love that air raid offense. And with Cumbie becoming the interim head coach, I feel like they're going to go even more in the air this week than they have in the past. So that does not spell well for OU this week. And it does not it I I don't I don't know going into this game. The way our secondary played against Kansas and the way our secondary played against TCU and even in that first half against Texas. I if we if we give up yards and chunk plays like we do, then Texas Tech's gonna have a real shot this weekend. It could be another one of those uh Baker Mayfield Patrick Mahomes games where it was sixty six to fifty nine and you break every offensive uh, score in the game if we can't figure out our defense. So I I don't I don't know what the answer is this weekend. I think OU escapes with a win again, but if I'm being honest, I'm really nervous because the way Texas Tech plays is what we struggle with defending wise. We cannot defend the pass to save our lives. Hopefully it seems, um, from what I've been reading all week, it seems like Delarian Turner Yale will be back, which is huge for the secondary. Seems like Jalen Redman will be back, which is huge for the defensive line. Maybe if the defensive line can get quicker pressure, then our secondary doesn't have to defend as long and we look better in the back end. And then all of those guys I read earlier warmed up last week, so they're really close. So tells me – um, that most of them, if we need them, could play. I don't know. I think I, we need help. DTY, Delarian Turnier has to be back this week um, just out of pure necessity. And then hopefully DJ Graham and Woody Washington are getting close. I ho- Honestly, I hope they're back this weekend, but I don't know. They seemed a little further off and then – I don't I don't know what the answer is this weekend. I, I feel like it's going to be a close game. I feel like it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I feel like it will be um, one of the games you should definitely take the over in if you want to bet on it because this game will most definitely produce some points and most definitely produce some highlight plays. Ryan, what do you think will happen in this game? I see it going a lot the same way you mentioned that a lot of those OU Texas, you know, I think of Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes going against each other. Even some of the like 2008 through 2011, like uh, Bedlam games were kind of like that. Uh, it feels like this is going to be one of those games. I mean, Tech's offense is pretty productive. They average 33 points a game and they're really balanced. Like they're, averaging about 270 passing and about 170 rushing. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if they can do that sustaining drive stuff that we've been seeing with other teams uh, on OU's defense. But on the flip side, uh, Tech's defense is allowing 31 points a game. So I I don't think that OU's going to have any trouble really scoring. I think the key for OU is just getting defense off the field, keeping Tech from having these long drives. Uh, fun fact, uh, yards allowed per game, OU is 385.3, uh, 
and Tech is 385.4. So uh, both pretty bad, but Texas is 0.1 worse. So if that makes you feel any better about the game. Um, yeah, it's over under 67. I see it going over that. It's probably going to be a, you know, 41-38 game, something like that. I don't know. But I think OU wins, but they're a 19-and-a-half-point favorite. And in a shoot, shootout, I don't see that being uh, something they can cover. I think it's going to be really close. I think they'll pull out the win, though. Perk? I don't – okay, I don't want to say that. So, I think with how much Oklahoma has been struggling, and I say this most weeks if you guys listen routinely, they need to treat Texas Tech like it's the best team in – that they've ever seen to ever come into the face of NCAA football. Well, Texas Tech is a good team. They're not even like Kansas. They're a good team. <laughs> that's that's the problem. And so I I hope that if they figure out their defense, I think this is going to be a good game that's going to be a nice reset button for the Sooners as far as all the struggles they've had and kind of figuring out where they're going wrong. Because they've they've really they've figured out their offense thanks to Caleb Williams. He's been kind of a dominating factor for them. Okay. But I think that if they don't figure out their defense, all it's gonna take is one turnover on the offense and this game may run away from them. If if they don't get I think a minimum of two defensive turnovers I don't think they win. I I don't think they lose by much, but to to require an offense to play a perfect game every game is just a lot to ask out of a team. And so I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a really close game. And I don't like that, but I think that's what it's going to be. All right. Well, um, we'll go ahead and move on. I think we've harped on OU enough. OU Texas Tech this weekend. All of us seem to think it'll be pretty close. Um, nobody thinks they will cover, so maybe one of us will throw that into our our bets this week. I'm definitely not going to. So, uh, but moving on from that, our game of the week this week is between two unbeaten's, two top ten teams, and two teams from the state of Michigan. Michigan State and Michigan's face off this week, and this is. Basically, the battle for the Big Ten, maybe? Question mark? I don't know. I'm not even sure either one of these teams are the best in the Big Ten because, honestly, I think Ohio State might have that might have that claim. But Michigan versus Michigan State this week, I think going in just, just off of what I've seen this year of both teams, which isn't a whole lot, I think Michigan has the slight edge. They have better quarterback play. So I think Michigan has a slight edge just just because of their quarterback. Um, and Vegas has Michigan favored by four points, so it is something that's also something to take into consideration. And it is actually in East Lansing. So that's another thing to take into consideration. For those of you who don't know, East Lansing is the home of Michigan State, not Michigan. So that will be interesting to see. Um, 
but any anybody who has any knowledge of Michigan knows Jim Harbaugh likes to lose big games. So I I really don't know on this. I I think Michigan's the favorite. I think Michigan will probably end up winning, but all the signs kind of point towards Michigan not winning or historically with Jim Harbaugh point to them not winning this game. So what do you what do you guys think going into it? It's I mean it's two highly ranked teams. I mean what is it number 6 and number 7 or something like that, number 6, number 5. Um, numbers six and eight. I, um, yeah. I mean, so when you have a game like that, it's always something to look forward to because some at that point, someone has to lose. And so personally, I think – Not Michigan if they go into nine overtimes. <laughs> I, I will buy you an expensive dinner if they go into nine overtimes. That yeah. would be insane. <laughs> I, I just I don't see that happening. I really think Michigan State walks away probably not Michigan State, excuse me. Michigan walks away probably seven or fourteen points ahead. And so I think it's I think it's, you know, pretty matched up until the second half. I mean that's pretty much my opinion on it. I think it's gonna be an amazing game to watch, but I think fourth quarter Michigan pulls away. So offensively, just throwing out some stats for you guys. Michigan State off at averages more um, yards per game than Michigan does. I found that interesting. Um, it's only by – it's basically by 10 yards, nine yards basically. So um, pretty close in yards per game, pretty close in points per game. Michigan has the edge there with 37.7. Michigan State with 34.3. Both of their defenses pretty – Pretty all actually, points per game wise, their defenses are all right. But Michigan State is giving up over 400 yards a game. That is pretty astounding to see um, with how well they have been playing. So, I I don't know. I think after looking at these stats, I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards Michigan. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, it feels a lot like OSU and Iowa State last week. A couple of really similar teams and what they do. And it's going to come down to, to me, it's going to come down to which, uh, which quarterback is better. A lot like that game did. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Michigan state's defense. They, they allow about a hundred yards a game more than Michigan does. So uh, I feel like that they kind of been playing kind of a bender, you know, bend, but don't break where they give up uh, plays down the field until um, they get to the red zone, but that's where they really shut you down. And, it's going to be interesting to see if Michigan can uh, combat that, but I feel more confident in Michigan's offense than I do Michigan State's. So uh, I think I think Michigan wins too. Um, this is really the start of the Big Ten season that we're all we've all been waiting for because you got Michigan at Michigan State, and then Penn State, Ohio State, and all four of those teams basically play each other uh, in a round robin format here in the next month. So. Uh, this is kind of the start of that, so we're going to see one of these two uh, undefeated teams go down and then kind of see what goes on from there. But, yeah, I got Michigan. All right. Well, speaking of that, um, kind of that round robin, we can go on to our basically our playoff segment um, for this podcast and talk about the teams we think that could make the playoffs. I think um, 
out of the Big Ten, do we have a playoff team? If I had to guess right now, I'm picking Ohio State because I don't want to pick against Ohio State. That's basically the only reason. I know they've got a loss already on the season and they have to run the table, but I don't want to pick against Ohio State because they've looked a ticked-off team here recently. Now that I've said that, though, they'll probably go lose to Penn State So, because um, everything I say seems to go the opposite way. Cincinnati escapes this week with a narrow win over Navy, so I I don't know what to take about that. Other than that, Cincinnati's looked really impressive all year. I don't think that um, they are a bad team because they played Navy really close. Some of these other teams, though, might sneak in. Michigan, if they can pull off a couple wins here, they could sneak in. Oregon obviously can still sneak in. They got a big win against UCLA last week. Um, playoffs seems wide open now. It had seemed like you had to be undefeated this year to make the playoff, but now Alabama snuck back into the picture. Um, Ohio State's back in the picture. Oregon's in the picture. All these teams that have lost the game are all starting to sneak right back into the picture. And all these undefeated teams besides Georgia have started to falter a little bit or show some weakness. Michigan State took, uh, I think it was Nebraska to overtime. And then you had OU against Kansas last week. And then Cincinnati versus Navy. So a lot of tight games in the top 10. What what are you guys feeling about playoffs? Who do you who do you think's going? If you had to say right now, if I had to say right now, I I Alabama, I think is still a huge contender. I still think they go in. Georgia, of course, uh, at this point, I don't. I feel like an upset with them would pretty much mean the end of the world. Uh, then I think I I have faith in our. Lincoln Riley team. So I think OU comes in number three. And then I think I'm with you at Ohio State. You know, I, I just, Ohio State's a pretty reliable person. I think that they'll pull through anyways, regardless of where Cincinnati rankings at or anything like that. I, I think that Ohio State is just going to come through and be that number four team. So, all right. And uh, first playoff poll is supposed to come out this week. According to Ryan, I don't, I'm not sure if he's lying this time or not. Um, but according to Ryan, <laughs> first playoff poll supposed to come out this next week. So, yeah, what I hear, Ryan, what a what are what are you feeling about the playoffs? Man, it's it's really feeling like it's going to be Georgia and Alabama, and then Cincinnati and Ohio State. I, the only thing I'm not sure of is Cincinnati, um, just depending on what the other teams do. Like if OU goes undefeated. And you got Ohio State. Listen to Ohio State. So they've got to play. They play Penn State this week, who's ranked 20th right now. Uh, they got a couple games against Nebraska and Purdue. And then they have Michigan State and Michigan to close out the year. If they win all three of those and then get to the Big 12 champion, or sorry, Big 10 championship, they'll play most likely Iowa, who is like number nine right now and has, plays nobody the rest of the year. So they're going to be another probably top 10 team. So if Ohio State goes through that whole gauntlet and wins every single game there, even with one loss, I think they're getting in over Cincinnati. 
Um, so then it would come down to if OU goes undefeated. And the way they've been looking, it really doesn't look like they, they can, but OU always finds a way, it seems. So you never know. Um, so that's really what it comes down to. I If I had to pick right now, I'm going to say Alabama beats Georgia in the, big, or in the SEC championship game. So they both have one loss, and they'll both get in. And then Ohio State, and then I'll say Cincinnati, because I think OU's going to lose one game. All right. Um, I'm kind of kind of on the same picture. I don't know. Um, I kind of disagree on the OU losing a game, but honestly, the way they're playing, I could see it happening. Um, I, I don't know. OU always seems to win at this time of year. And they always seem to win the Big 12 championship. I also think that Georgia is going to stumble at some point in this year. I know you said the world's going to fall if they stumble, Perkins, but I think Georgia might. They 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 are in a rivalry game this weekend against Florida, so a lot of emotions. And Florida played Alabama really close, if you remember. So Florida has talent. It's just whether they can put it together out there on the field. I'm not saying they'll lose to Florida, but I do think Georgia will stumble. And so that means they're going to meet Alabama, and both Alabama and Georgia would have one loss at that point. Do you put in a two-loss team if they both are – or if one of them is a two-loss team at that point? I don't know. Um, Ohio State looks really good. Oklahoma does not look good. Cincinnati did not look good this last weekend, but they have looked good. But I don't know that you can put in a non-Power 5 team. I just – I don't – I've never seen it happen. I think when the playoff poll comes out, they're going to be around six or seven, and then everybody in the nation's going to be that ticked off. But I don't know. They've, they've played the schedule that they've been put in front of them, so maybe not. Maybe they will sneak through, and uh, that'll – that's just what will happen. But – That's kind of our take on the college football playoff at this point. We will have more um, with a playoff poll next week, hopefully. And so we're moving on to our betting bros part of our podcast. And I told the guys this week, I called the number one pick this week. And then Perkins said, well, that doesn't matter. I'm still going to pick the same game you're going to pick. So me and Perkins, and I'll announce it since Perkins wants to pick the same game as me. Me and Perkins are it's both hard not to pick. going the over in the Iowa versus Wisconsin game. And if you're questioning us, the over is probably the lowest over I've ever seen in a college football game. The over is 36.5. That means the teams literally have to score 18 points apiece, and then a one of them has to get one more point. So that that seems too easy for me. I'm going over. Perkins, I assume you're going over. <laughs> yes. All right. Iowa and Wisconsin, first pick of the week is for me and Perkins. Ryan, where's your first pick going? My first pick, I'm going the Colorado Buffaloes plus 24 at Oregon. Uh, Oregon hasn't been as impressive as I thought. They actually cost me one of my picks a couple weeks ago, so I'm kind of mad at them. Um, I don't see them being 24 points better than a Colorado team who hasn't played very well, but they've been competitive. So 
Uh, yeah, give me 24 with Colorado. And that's plus 24? Plus 24. Okay. Also, I want I want to tell you guys real quick because you'll find it funny. I just spelled Colorado. I was sounding it out while you were talking, right? I'm typing out my laptop here. I spelled mm-hmm. Colorado. C-O-L-A-R-D-O. Oh, wow. Colardo. Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> I, I believe uh, Yeah. I promise I have a college degree. You are one pathetic loser. <laughs> wow, Ryan with the zinger. Well, appreciate it. Just quoting movies here, that's all. Uh, that's what I felt like was going on. What what movie are you quoting there, Ryan? Oh, the best movie of all time, Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> all right. Well, my next pick of the week, and I'm going to do a little bit more of a risky one. I'm going Boise State at Colorado State. Boise State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'm picking Boise State to win. Um, that seems like an odd odd line to me. Boise has not been good this year, so uh, I, I'm going to go with Boise State plus, or minus two-and-a-half at Colorado State. Perk, where are you going with your next one? So, most of the time, and you know me, I love to jump on the hype train of teams that just caused an upset or whatever, right? Uh, and then normally I get burned, uh, like, with a frying pan. And so, I'm actually going to do the opposite of that, and I'm probably still going to get burned, but that's all right. Uh, so, I'm looking at the Rutgers versus Illinois game. Right, and Illinois is coming off a pretty decent, pretty decent high, and I'm hoping I can use that against them here with a Rutgers uh, win, or at least within the spread of 1.5 points. So, feeling pretty good about that. All right, Ryan, where are you going with second pick this week? Second pick, I'm picking. Uh... The other game of the week, which is SMU at Houston. That's an interesting one. Seven and O SMU team going to a six and one Houston team. Uh, it's going to be a, a really good game. SMU is a one point favorite, and I think they're about a touchdown better than Houston. So I'm going SMU minus one at Houston. Well, right now, um, the line's actually even on that game. Oh, well, there you, you go. I picked it yesterday. Three. So give me the even then. No, too late. That's fine. Got to go with the one. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He picked them to win. They can't win by less than one point. Yeah, they're going to tie. Give <laughs> <laughs> uh, me a nine, nine overtime. overtime. Right? When they get to the 10th <laughs> overtime, they're just going to say, we will just tie. We don't want to play anymore. I, I really want to look at the rule book. Is there a is there a certain overtime where it hits where you're just like, all right, can we just call this a tie? Is there a point in a game where you can just call something a tie? Because that know. would be fascinating. I feel like after 10, the first string can no longer play. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be insane? It would be. Like only second string can play, and then at 11, only third string, and then at 12, only – Whoever's left, see, but put the kicker at in point, at quarterback. At that point, you're having to submit depth charts before the game to the officials and say this is who is who. Um, and then coaches would start getting into the stuff where, like, 
oh, well, on the depth chart, I actually put this. I'm going to put this guy's third string when he's actually his first string because nobody's checking that in the middle of the game. So that, that'd get all really complicated really quick. So mm-hmm. well, Maybe everyone could just have integrity and not have to worry about lying. Um, yeah. Have you met college football coaches? Or just people in general? And especially in the <laughs> SEC? I have hope for the world. Uh, that guess. makes one of us. Yep. <laughs> uh, All right, Perk. I'll let you go because I'm I'm struggling to find a third pick this week. So uh, where's your third pick going? Um, so mine is going to what I thought was another really low over. And it's a game that we've already kind of discussed uh, rather briefly, but we still discussed it. I'm looking at Georgia versus Florida here. The over for that game is 51. And I feel for two teams that have a fairly good high-powered offenses, I feel like 51 is kind of a low low over. So that's where I'm going with that. All right. Well, I found my game, and I found this one really interesting. And we are going to the SEC, and we're going – um, to good old Mark Stoops at, at Kentucky. Ooh. And they are one-and-a-half-point favorites against Mississippi State. And I think can, uh, I think Kentucky's the better team here. And mm-hmm. you're not going to pick them to win by just one point. So I think Kentucky by one-and-a-half, uh, negative one-and-a-half for you, Perk. So yep. that is my – Final pick this week, Perk, or not Perk, uh, Ryan, where are you going with your final pick this week? With my third and final pick, I'm going with the Baylor Bears. They are Uh, minus three against Texas. That's where I was going. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had heavily thought about that. And to help you out some more, Ryan, Mm -hmm. they're they're still minus three. Never mind. I thought they were minus four, but... Mm. Yeah, I don't. I think Baylor's defense is good enough to keep Texas from scoring a ton, and I think Baylor's offense is a little bit better than Texas. So um, Texas defense hasn't been fantastic either. So I think Baylor's going to win. It's at home. Uh, it's also an 11 a.m. game. Those are always kind of weird on the road. So as oh, you saw last week. Um, so yeah, I, I got Baylor. I think they win. And man, Texas is going to be four and four. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. I, I was about to pick the other way around on that game because mm. Texas falling to four and four sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. But I really want Texas to fall to four and four, <laughs> and I didn't want to bet the other way around. So, um, but yeah, uh, question for you and breaking news oh. right out of Oklahoma City the Thunder pick up their first win of the year against the Los Angeles Lakers. Did they really? Yes, one twenty three to one fifteen. My phone just buzzed Gosh. at me. I was watching that game until we started recording, and Thunder were down by like twenty five. Well, they came back. That's nuts. Um, but uh, so moving on with the question I was going to ask you about the Baylor Bears, do you think Dave Aranda is the head coach at LSU next year? I'm going to say no. I think he's going to stick with Baylor. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, who who do you think will be the head coach of LSU then? 
Any any Urban thoughts Myers. or any idea? Did you say Urban Meyer? He yeah. said Urban Myers. Oh, okay. It's a different okay. guy. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> uh, that's all me. But I don't know. Follow the, if we follow the conspiracy. What are the chances? Zero. He won't go to well, SEC school. He can't win all the time at SEC school. True. It's interesting, but, like a guy like Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. Like there was a lot of talk when USC came open that he might want to go there. Um, but now that LSU's open, I don't know. But he's got it rolling at Cincinnati. I, he's he said all the right things that he doesn't want to leave there. But you never know when LSU says, "Hey, we'll pay you," you know, eight million a year or whatever. So yeah, I get you, but. As a coach, do you really want to go somewhere where your life expectancy as the coach there is like three years? No, I do not. Like, I I would rather stay at Cincinnati and, or like, honestly, even at USC, that's a still low life expectancy as a coach. Like, even let's say you win the national title, like Ogeron did at LSU, two years later, he's out. Like, that is absurd to me. And I, I get it. I get that their expectation is winning down there. But I don't know. That That is crazy to have a national title winning coach on your uh, as your coach and you're getting him out of there. So, I don't know. Maybe that's some of those OU fans calling for Lincoln Riley's job when they're 8-0. Yeah, I think I heard. I think I heard a stat that the last three coaches there have won a national championship and been fired. Yeah, and uh, funny thing, and this is from Twitter, so there's no like actual validity to it. But somebody on Twitter said that um, Lincoln Riley, the reason they played so bad at Kansas was because he was so focused on the LSU job and how he was going <laughs> to interview for it. And I was like. That that's the dumbest thing ever. Flinkin Riley's leaving OU. He's going to the NFL. They're, like he's not yeah. going to take another college job. Like no, that just seems not. stupid. He's at a blue blood power five. Uh, if he go, if he wins the right amount of games, he's going to the college football player every year. Why would he go to the same level job? Like it doesn't make any sense. So yeah. and and the whole SEC argument doesn't matter because he's about to be there too. So yeah. Yeah, but um, any I, I know we threw in some extra stuff, some extra nuggets there for you at the end. A- anything else you guys want to talk about this week? No, I think we've covered it really good this week. Yeah, I think we're good. It's going to be a fun Saturday. All right, well, I look forward to Saturday. It will be pretty fun, um, and I will not be coaching a soccer game during the OU game this Saturday, so that will be fun as well. I will get to watch that in full, no matter how bad or how good they play. I will be there in full. So um, that's it for this week from the Oklahoma Sports Bros Podcast. This is Zach Cobb. We're a host with me, Ryan Winkle and Jeremiah Perkins. Thanks for joining me, guys. See ya. See ya. See ya.